Presley. Mr. Presley. Now, now, Mr. Presley. You are looking much stronger, but you shouldn't be out here too long. It's time for your nap. And it's also time for us to do that little, well, you know. You fuck off, you patronizing bitch. I'm sick of your shit. I'll lube my own crankshaft from now on. Welcome to another episode of the Southern Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill. With me tonight is a special guest, because none of the beef ladies are here, so it's a real sausage fest, dudes. And uh, first of all, from the Horror Mafia Podcast, Mr. Donnie Rings, how you doing, sir? Hey, what's going on, man? Great to be here. Always good, always good to have you in our brother. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and that, that underwater kaiju show that has a long long name, too. I, I <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying the name of your show there, Jerry Herring, because it's yeah. super long, you know. Yeah, don't worry, I'll attempt that out at the end of the show, like always. So, uh, yeah, leave it for the person that actually knows what it is and can say it properly. So, you, you upset my friend about the jaws thing. Is all I'm saying. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, and also with us, uh, he's the boss. He's the grand pooba of this. Loyal water order, order water. Yeah, can't see the word. That thing from the Flintstones that Fred's a part of, the, <laughs> the, the, the water buffalo, uh, the great tube yeah. of that. Uh, Borilla himself, Mr. Bo Ransdell. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Fine. Besides flubbing my words, I'm doing real great. But uh... <laughs> English. Hey, look. Th- there's a reason they teach it in college. Yes. Not not everyone can do it. And, you know, <laughs> the world needs ditch diggers too. See. Uh, or, or just uh, like people who take Spanish. Yeah, that's... maybe maybe you decide in college. You know what? I'm done with English. I'm going to all full Spanish now, twenty four seven. Or Dutch. I'm Dutch now. That's yeah. the, that's the right of every American to be Dutch. Or, or pick some really good dead languages to talk about. You know, like like Sanskrit. You could pick that one. Yeah, I you know they'll lie to you in high school and be like, "You should take Latin. Latin helps you with everything." And then you do what I did, which is you take like a couple of years of Latin. You're like, "This doesn't help shit." It's just this the, is just it's right. just the, it's just the root of these words. That's all it is. You know. But yeah, this is just me conjugating verbs for an hour. You know, three times a week. This is frustrating me to no end. Anyway, that's how I'm doing. Awesome, conjugating and. Uh... Congregating, manipulating, more shooting, words, moving, more and words. conjugating. Yes, that's indeed. right. I watched a lot of Schoolhouse Rock. Can you tell? You know, it's a, it's an excellent program for your children and adults to learn as well. Like how a bill becomes a law. Oops, it's all about politics again. But uh, Bo, the question we asked at the beginning of this show is, what you've been watching lately, sir? 
Uh, what have I been watching lately? Um, I, I've, I've talked a lot about The Boys recently, which I think is is fucking great. Um, that that's a wonderful show. I have uh, I've I'll tell you here's the thing I haven't talked about anywhere else. So I watched uh, Conan the Barbarian recently, the the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, which is amazing. It's a, one of the best movies ever made, if you ask me. And uh, but that had me scratching my head, wondering. Hey, what what do people uh, watch after they watch Conan the Barbarian on Amazon Prime? Like, if I'm an intrepid soul looking for a fantasy film to watch, Deathstalker Two, where, where would I find <laughs> such a thing? But I was like, I wonder what the new shit is. Like, what's what's the new hotness uh, that's not Lord of the Rings? So I stumble across a, I, I assume, made for Amazon Prime series of five movies called mythica mythica wow yeah and they are not great uh kevin sorbo is basically gandalf if if that gives you about the level we are uh it is it's a step above an asylum film but not by much yeah you one stumble and you're right there in asylum territory i enjoyed those in the name of the king series for some reason, some reason they were good to me, and I—I I knew they weren't great, but they were good to me. I felt like these are better than that um, because they're a little nerdier. You know, it's like, oh my god, if Fireball uh, wand has charges in it, and it's only good five times, and I'm like, that's something I respect as a nerd who played Dungeons and Dragons years ago. Um, so it it gives you enough of that stuff where it's like, it feels like it was written by someone who spent a lot of time writing like Lord of the Rings fan fiction. And it, but there's part of me that kind of adores that about these movies is they're so fucking earnest about being high fantasy films. And there's just not like two red cents to rub together to make these movies. And I, I find it kind of delightful. Does, does Mr. Serbo talk about Jesus and, and Republicans in this one? No? No, 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 no. He's uh, He is uh, an aged sorcerer who is aiding and abetting uh, a young woman named Merrick, who is uh, a, a magician initially, but it turns out that she's a necromancer, what has a bum leg. <laughs> and... And and so her friends find out she's a necromancer, and that's a big to do because they're like, "You suck out our souls when you get powers." And she's like, "That's right." And sometimes I feel uh, the pool of darkness. And so I finished the first. In fairness, I've watched two of them. I kind of watched the third one, but I was doing something else. I was really paying more attention to. And I look over, and at the end of the movie, like Merrick is creating like giant snakes with her mind and shit oh, and i'm like boy. i like i've missed something significant i need to go back and see how the fuck merrick learned to do this shit see that's that uh, special kind of movie i gotta i gotta look for that now see <laughs> there, like i said there's five of them and they all came out within about two years of each other which leads me to believe they just filmed all of these at once and released them as five movies cool which is i i mean Shit, I, like there are so many things I'm fascinated by when it comes to this series. There, the there least are, of which is the actual movies. There are five of them, yes. Starting yeah. in 2014. C- continue. I'm looking at these movies now. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, it, it's you'll get sucked right in. And I, I like I haven't gotten that deep into them, but they're 
there was an evening where it was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch two of these movies and see what the fuck is up. Oh boy. Anything else, sir? I think that's more than enough. <laughs> if there was 80s, it would be 80s enough, see? Uh, <laughs> Donnie Rings, what about you, sir? Uh, yeah, um, well, I just have a uh, screener sent for um, one of Jason Lloyd's uh, pet projects. Um, the new film, Itsy Bitsy. Oh, nice. I want to see that one. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I'm not going to give away too many spoilers, but... Um, I will say impeccable practical effects. They're amazing. They're just... it, it looked like it in the preview. I was kind of excited for that. Yeah, uh, it is, I would say, almost complete practical effects. Nice. And, yeah, and there are certain scenes in there, especially if you're a, an arachnophobe, that are pure nightmare fuel. Yeah, all right, I'm in. Yeah, there's... Um, they do this amazing shot where the one of the victims is bitten, so he's already got the poison inside of him. So he's trying to drag himself away from it, and he manages to get inside this adjacent room. Only as soon as he closes the door, thinking he's escaped, that he ends up succumbing to the poison, so he falls flat, stiff as a board. Looks up and you see the spider from the ceiling coming down like the way spiders do, and it's all done with the practical twitching and stuff like that. Oh, nice. oh I can't wait! Sounds awesome. Yeah, um, it it kind of has too much of a drama attachment to it. Um, too much character backstory, you know, it interferes with the premise of you know the spider running loose, but. Um, I'll say this, it kind of has more in common with one of the films we're going to be discussing later tonight where it's far more serious than it really should be. So I don't know if that's going to give away my thoughts on one of the films for tonight, but... Um, I think I know the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, because one of them doesn't take itself seriously at all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, um, it's kind of in that vein where... Every kind of promotional material that you see about it kind of gives it away as like some cheesy schlocky film, but it's kind of heavier on the drama than you would think, which may or may not be to its detriment. You know, going to leave that to individuals and see, you know, do you like having a lot of drama and then, you know, 30, 40 minutes of good, you know, not great, but good, you know, acceptable horror elements or does having 50 minutes out of an hour and a half of just, you know, banal drama kind of just suck the air out of you? So well, People like that crawl movie. That was just, uh, what's that actor's name? Barry Pepper under, or trapped underneath the house with, with alligators. You yeah. know, so. Well, I mean, I'm just saying is that I know a lot of people are going to probably say this one's kind of slow. And it's like it's far more into this um, – because the backstory involves um, a woman and her two kids coming to this guy's house to like be his caretaker, and, and there's far more family drama than what there really should be. Uh, I'm I'm saying again, you know, not being too spoilers, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I saw that, and uh, the only other thing worth mentioning is um, a small little mini marathon of late 2000 era Dolph Lundgren direct video films. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. That's some shit right there, but what do you go, go for it, man. You know? Yeah. Um, well, I'm a huge fan of uh, command performance. It's a diehard ripoff. Yes. 
I haven't I, seen this now. I have to look for it now. See. Yeah. Um. I learned all. I learned all kinds of new shit. See, guys. Yeah. Um. It's on Tubi, so it's uh, pretty easy to find. Um. Command Performance is one that I really recommend. It's a total diehard ripoff. Um. It's not on Tubi, but another one that I actually really like um, is called uh, The Killing Machine. I think you can find it under um, another title called Icarus, which it doesn't make much sense unless you see it. But yeah, um, like late 2000s, early 2010, little Dolph Lundgren mini, mini marathon. So yeah, that's uh, basically what I've been up to. Oh, by the way, Command Performance is directed by Dolph and has a writing credit by Dolph Lundgren, too. So he really put his uh, his heart and soul in this one. I think Killing Machine might, too. It might as well. Says, I know he directed that. It says Die Hard at a Concert, at the concert in a yeah, MDB reunion, every review. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> well, I'm a huge Die Hard ripoff fan. So. Oh, well, I am, too. A Hard to Die is one of my favorite ones. Oh, yeah. Hard to Die, Skyscraper. So many, so many, so many. There's one with the Bos with Bosworth in it. I forget what it's called, but that's oh, a um, Stone Cold. No, no. There's a there's a Die Hard type film with Bosworth in it. That's oh, the, that's um, the one with the bikers. That yeah, everybody, know, everybody knows what Stone, Stone Cold, Cold is. <laughs> yeah, Stone Cold. That's the one. I don't know. No, that is. I, I've seen it. That's Stone Cold. Oh my gosh! Yeah, me myself, I I didn't get a whole lot watched because I've had some drama in the last four days over a fucking car that ain't mine. But uh, it's hard to sit down and watch anything. But I I did sit down and watch *Brightburn*. Uh, I didn't see it in theaters. I watched it at home because uh, I prefer it that way in 4K in uh, the comfort of my own home sometimes. And uh, that was a movie that was short on story and short on the the human condition. Just. If you haven't seen it, just think. Just think if if Superman was twelve years old, and he went the way uh, Jarrell wanted him to go, to go all fucking hero complexed, you know, lay lay the earth to waste and make it in your own image type deal. Well, this this little boy gets these powers to you know to fly, to move really fast, and just be a general fucking little prick shooting shooting light out of his eyes and shit, and kills a lot of people and. I I, I I think my my friend Justin said said it the best way that it, you really didn't get to really feel any emotional attachment to any of these characters at all really except for Elizabeth Banks's character who was his spoilers surrogate mother because they they coined this as a super like a Superman type film so you got to know that these people are not his parents so it's not that big of a spoiler um, but there's a part in this movie in which <laughs> the boy. Because the whole the whole movie is him killing people that they're, they're gonna find out his secret and this guy's gonna find out his secret. So he lifts a ch- uh, a truck in the air and then drops it on its nose. In which uh, the next thing you see this guy just bleeding from the mouth and then his jawbone falls off. That's the kind of brutality we're dealing with in this movie. It, it that that makes it that keeps you in it for the ninety minutes. And I I uh, I, I dug it. Anybody else see Brightburn? Yeah, I thought I agree. I thought it was surprisingly gory, but I had the same reaction where I was like, this is kind of cool. I just wish there was something more to it. Yeah, there had, there had to be something else on there like to make, you know, say, oh, well, you know, for what happens at the end of this movie, you kind of say, yeah, I guess he had a small emotional attachment to this person that's supposed to be his mother, but you don't get to see a whole lot of that. It's more of them arguing about, you know, when stuff starts to happen. You shouldn't have took him out of the woods, lady. What's wrong with you? Kind of shit, you know, and... I just, uh, 
I can't get behind these characters. Even, even the kids are shit. You want him to die too, but they're setting it up for a part two. And I think Chronicle did it better. If you want to pick a better movie than Brightburn. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, the, that again, that was totally my problem with it. It was like, it, it, it's like somebody was like, hey man, what if Superman came to Earth, except he was real fucked up and evil? It's like, uh-huh, and then what? And they're like, oh, what do you mean, and then what? That's that's it. He's, he's real fucked up and evil. Uh-huh, and then what happens? Well, he's super evil? And it's like, all right, it's that's cool. I just Like I said, I wish there had been a little more, a little something more to it. Mm-hmm. You see it, Don? Uh, I own it. I just haven't had time to get to it. Um, yeah, sure. I, I don't technically. I shouldn't technically say own. I should say um, I have a, a copy through uh, those kinds of means. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, we've all um, been there. <laughs> yeah, um, I own the film that way, and uh, I hope to watch it soon enough. Just uh, one of those not home enough to sit down and watch it. Yeah, like, like we said, the, the brutality will keep you in it. It's just, um, I know, I've, at, I've at heard the, enough. At, at the end, at the end of the day, though, you're like, this is the thing that happened, and you know, remember yeah, when, the, remember when that glass shard went in that woman's eye they gave away in the preview? Remember that? And you know, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's that kind yeah. of movie. Yeah, I've uh, heard enough. Um, other, I've heard enough shows on it to get an idea of what's going on, but I haven't dived, uh, dived into it yet. Cool. And besides that, I've been watching a lot of Frasier, and that's a thing that still makes me laugh and enjoy it. And it, that's a, uh, I guess that's my new Parks and Rec people, just to just to turn on every once in a while, you know. Um, yeah. But um, nothing else too exciting. I was gonna watch something else, but I I didn't because I fell asleep like an old man to have something else to talk about. But um, next time I'll have more to talk about. But it brings us to our next segment. Which is the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. Who the barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? I heard that. Um, I'll start with Gar- one of our guests. We have two guests. Bo, uh, anything eating you, man? Uh, making you angry? That's not political, because uh, yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah, no, that's that's a given. Yeah, I'll tell you, here, th- this pissed me off, and it's just me being angry at myself, really. Uh, but I was having uh, some work done on my car, and while they were doing the work, I kind of wandered the neighborhood a little bit, found uh, a little thrift shop. Uh, look around inside, because I'm always on the hunt for two things. Uh, stand-up comedy vinyl records, uh, especially like Carlin and Steve Martin that era, and creepy dolls, uh, because I'm I want to stack my guest bedroom full of creepy dolls. So if anyone dares spend the night, they're traumatized for fucking life. And so I'm doing my my sweep of the thrift shop and run across this mug. It's a coffee mug. That says Happy Halloween on it, and it's the uh, Peanuts uh, Halloween characters, you know, like the ghost with uh, all the holes in it and whatnot for Charlie Brown, uh, all that. And I was like, early Peanuts license stuff was hard to find, so that was quite the find. Yeah, I was like, fucking a two bucks for this mug that I'm immediately going to start using. So I, uh, 
I, I buy the mug. Uh, I start heading back, and I'm on foot, you know, going back to pick up my car, and drop the fucking bag nah. and shattered this mug. Sucks. And, and like for a thing that I did not know existed 30 minutes prior to this moment, I was heartbroken. Uh, so my beef is they should make sidewalks uh, out of foam. <laughs> That's a that's a big loss, man. And like I said, that 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 license stuff there, especially the early stuff. My buddy said the bootleg stuff is is really valuable because Mr. Schultz's estate was very protective of what what was made, much kind of like what what Bruce Lee's family is like. You know, they're really careful with what they what they, what they put his likeness on. Well, they, the 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 bootleg stuff or the peanut stuff is really valuable because they really cracked down on that shit when they, when they put it out. Nah, none of, none of this is what I was hoping to hear. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, hey, you lost, like, a $300 cup. Because, like, I can't say that you did or you didn't, but I don't think you did. It's just... No, I mean, it's, honestly, the like, I have I had a weird attachment to it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have so many cups of coffee out of that thing. It's going to be great. What, what a cool mug that I'm going to have. Oh, we've all had those trips to our moments like and I, I've had one recently probably like five months ago do I buy the hobo clowns or don't I of course I'm going to buy the hobo clowns because that's the kind of guy I am you know but, uh, they're still sitting in the box somewhere though you know? oh my gosh Donnie Rings what's eating you sir um, I really can't complain about anything um, I guess you know I wish I'm uh, over summer already. I wish we'd go start getting lighter temperatures around here. But, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, I don't have much to complain about. Oh, that's Ooh. good clean living. It's good clean living, man. Speaking of not clean living, I got I got a, I got a beef with a coworker that I'm not going to name here because you guys don't know the fuck he is anyway. But uh, my beef is people coming to work, hacking up a lung and not covering their mouth. Or even attempting to cover their mouth whatsoever because if you hear my voice like it's slightly hoarse. It's not terrible, but I hate being sick and phlegmy during the summertime. Uh, some asshole was doing this at my job, and now I'm I'm not feeling well. I, I think I, there's there's some mornings where I downright had the the sweats when it was like 60 degrees outside. So it wasn't hot, but I was sweating like a fucking I don't even know why, why I described that, but it was it was terrible and uh. I, I hate people like this. I hate this guy makes no attempt to, to do anything about this. And you want to you want to punch him in the dick and tell him fucking go cover your mouth or get one of those masks or something before he comes in here. But it's it's, it's not worth your time because he's that kind of guy. So don't don't punch your coworkers, but don't come to work sick either. So if you're that person, uh, do do your best to better yourself and not do that with people because. Nobody likes being sick, especially, you know, myself right now, who's not feeling, I'm kind of feeling the dumps right now, so I'm just staying hydrated. <laughs> That's the best I can do. That's all you can do, man. Just keep the water going. <laughs> man, oh man. But uh, tonight, uh, we're supposed to do, we're going to do two films, <laughs> in which older gentlemen, I don't want to call them geriatric, cause, but some of them are downright fucking old. Uh, basically take on an impossible foe and that they win more or less uh, <laughs> with Bubba Hotep and the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot 
Um, might as well do these in order with Bobo Hotep first, because I don't know which one to choose. Like, I kind of like both of them. Uh, and we'll get to that right after the break. Hey, it's your boy, Donnie Rings, host of the Horror Mafia podcast. I'm joined by my associates, Baby Joy. Hey, yo, how you doing? Como estai? And Big Bill Casanelli. Hey, bafangul, bafangul, all right? And together, the three of us will take you, the listener, through our unique take on the horror genre. And sometimes mob movies, too. We are the mafia, you know. We serve up a little antipas to get you in the mood. A little gabagool, a little supersada, a hot sausage, a piece of mozzarella, cracks of cilantro, forget about it. As well as a wide variety of entrees to manja. Whether the classic film review or our list episodes. You'll always get an exquisito dish served. Hey guys, how can we forget? Daniel's torture. Ah! Fucking Dawn! So come join us in the back room at Horophilia Studios for a sit-down with the Horror Mafia podcast. We'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Or you'll be sleeping with the fishes. Impersonator. You fell off a stage and broke your hip? Who was it? 20 years ago. That's where they took a piece of my brain. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, President Kennedy was a white man. They dyed me this color. What we have here at Shady Rest is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotep. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. He can just keep on feeding unless he's finally destroyed. All right, man, let's go. Stuff on you, baby. Bubba Hotep from 2002. Uh, a little, little drawl in there for you guys to see. Uh, <laughs> this is, of course, written and directed by one Don Coscarelli, which I, I think is a, a fan's director. If you ever have you guys get a chance to meet him, he's amazing. Uh, based on a short story by Joe R. Lansdale, who people are a fan of, I'm sure Bo is. Um, this stars, of course, Bruce Campbell as a Elvis Presley or Sebastian Half, you, you decide. Uh, <laughs> Ozzy Davis is Jack or, or John F. Kennedy, you decide. We'll get into that. Bob Ivey is your Bubba Hotep. I love a good guy in a suit. Uh, Ella Joyce is your nurse. 
Mr. Health. Good shit, man. Bunch of other character actors. Reggie Bannister, of course. Daniel Robot shows up in here. Daniel Schweiger shows up in here. Oh my gosh. Um, this movie's plot synopsis is this. Elvis Presley and a black JFK stay in a nursing home where nothing happens until a wayward Egyptian mummy comes and sucks the, sucks the old people's souls through their assholes. The two decide to fight back. I'll start with Donnie Rings, and I'll ask him, what does he think of Bubba Hotep? Um, yeah, this is uh, actually kind of special. This is the uh, second film that I've covered both on Mafia and as a uh, guest appearance on another show. And uh, my opinion really hasn't changed much. I have a lot of fun with this. This is probably a little bit on the slope, like right at that point where the pacing is between slow and intriguing but I have a lot of fun with it and it's definitely one that I really enjoy a lot cool but really what's up man what do you think about Hotep oh well I am a fan of Joe Lansdale uh I think not only do our names almost homonyms but uh he wrote a great zombie story called on the far side of the Cadillac desert with dead folks that is one of my favorite zombie stories of all time. Um, there's, uh, I like kind of like Don, this is the second time I've reviewed this once was for devour, which is no more. Uh, and, and now here, and I like this movie more, the more I watch it. And also because I'm old and this is one of the more, interesting meditations i think on what it means to face your mortality and and what to make of yourself at that point like what matters when you get down to that that moment in life when it's just you and your and your creator kind of um i think it's it's kind of beautiful as silly as the movie is with you know it's graffiti uh, in hieroglyphics on the toilet walls. And that's very silly. And th the whole concept is very silly, of course, but it's sort of silly over the top of something that's actually kind of serious and bittersweet, which is all about like on, on what terms do you die and, and who measures that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of this beautiful story about two men who at the end of their lives, decide to be heroes one last time and it's i love it man i this is truly one of my favorite movies the older i get i think it is deceptively deep and and actually very nuanced about that subject and uh so i love it i love this movie yeah man i i i have to agree uh, wholeheartedly i know this is like a, a love fest people but it, it happened last episode too so i guess get used it in this one uh <laughs> Bruce Campbell's un unkempt look throughout this movie is, is kind of wonderful. Not, not so much when he's Elvis Elvis, but there, there's that scene in which Elvis and Sebastian have to switch places. Yeah. And he's just he's just eating that whole blueberry pie. He's got that, that fucking the jelly sticking out the side of his lip. And, uh, of course, he collapses when he sees the king because the, all those guys are crazy and one day, 3,000 Miles the Graceland is going to be a thing people are going to do on this show one day, and that's a long, unnecessary movie that I happen to love. But uh, <laughs> um, Ozzie Davis is an actor I, I, I've always dug, and he plays this 
conspiracy nut who thinks he's John F. Kennedy because they dyed his skin that way. Just because that's how smart they are. And uh, <laughs> see, in my in my world, that's absolutely who he is. <laughs> yeah. Like I, when I watch that movie, I have no doubt that he's actually Jack Kennedy. And, and I, I love like um, is it the, the scene before they get they're going to go into battle in which. He, he he tries to make sure he's still on the up and up by asking him, "Did you do you know who Jack Ruby is? And do you know who this, that, and the other is?" Because oh, that's when they first meet. When he's like, "Before before we actually have a conversation, yeah. I need to know one thing, because I knew you were in with with Nixon, and I got to make sure you're cool." Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it, it like it's it's stuff like that that I like. If you're gonna have a mommy in a nursing home to begin with then why couldn't it be JFK and why couldn't this really be Elvis like that? That's how I approach this movie. It's like all bets are off. These people are exactly who they say they are. Yeah. Got a whole cache of goodies in his, in his, in his room. That's amazing. His, his room is kind of great too. For if you're a JFK conspiracy nut, it's, it's all over his room and Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I love, I love how they 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 pick who's gonna die first because it, it's this fucking fat woman who steals steals a woman's glasses who's in an iron lung. Who's that's like that's like the lowest form of humanity, isn't it? Somebody who steals some somebody's glasses in an iron lung because yeah, she's. Well, she's but it, but isn't right. isn't Elvis immediately just like I get it? I know why she did that. Like <laughs> you know, yeah, she's looking for a little thrill. You become complacent too, you know, because hey, I, I love like um, the way this is shot. They have like the whole fast forward aspect, like the days going by so fast because he's in the nursing home this whole time and nothing's going on, nothing's going on until something is going on, and <laughs> they finally have something to do in in, in their their uh, their complacentness. Because what well, one of the big things about this thing is the the way we treat our old, and I, I hate. It's, it's it's heartbreaking. Like almost that that scene where the the guy, his roommate, of course, passes away, and the daughter is coming to rummage through his shit, and she's gonna throw away his purple heart, and like you know, he's really proud of that, and you know, it's, it's the way he reacts to her, and of course, the way he really reacts to all of her parts is is kind of great in this movie, and because you know, growth out of pecker and stuff, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, the, that moment where he kind of gets a little bit of a boner around her, yeah. and it's the first time that she's like, you know, Mr. whatever, you know, Mr. Presley, whatever she calls him, and it's the first time that she has any reaction to him like he's a human man, other yeah. than, like, you know, before that, that's sort of, uh, you know, kind of antiseptic way she goes about lancing the boil on his dick or whatever she's doing okay. and it's just and it, i mean he might as well just be a piece of meat there she's not talking yeah. to him really you know and yeah, it, it's, that, it's all that, like it's all part of like the routine of growing old in that community where it's not just him she does that too it's everybody else right and in this moment where he gets a little bit of a hard on and she's kind of forced like this spark of virility where she's like Oh, you're actually a living being and, you know, somewhat vital. And uh I like that moment I think is kinda wonderful that it it's um, you know, again and that this Elvis character 
who is just sitting around waiting to die and trying to figure out what the fuck his life meant. And, and, and having this moment where just like, yeah, I still got a little juice in the tank, you know, it's, it's cool that I just, I, I think Bruce Campbell's such a delight in this movie. The, the whole, like, you know, watch out, man. Don't, don't make me put my stuff on you. Like that's a delightful line. And he's, but again, I, I think it's a genuine performance. I think he does a really good job embodying old Elvis and it's it's really good yeah, like I, it's a performance i don't know that i thought bruce campbell had in him mm-hmm. yeah it definitely is a he's not he's not acting like typical arrogant bruce in this movie he's kind of acting like like humble arrogant bruce and i i kind of like that about it it's, it's it is probably the most different than any performance he's ever done except for you know the really early stuff where he wasn't arrogant bruce yet he's just kind of like bruce campbell the actor right yeah and um I gotta talk before about he before, became before, Ash, yeah. yeah. Before he became yeah, pre, pre Evil Dead Two, and uh, <laughs> up until now, he's been arrogant Bruce, and that and that's fine. That's the way he is in real life, by the way, too. He's just kind of like that dude. Either you could take it or leave him like that. But uh, I gotta talk about you know the design of the mummy. Yeah, you know, I, I always loved. Yeah, ever since I like, was a kid, you've seen like stuff like Alan Troutman it, it, within the tar, embracing the tar mans and being the tar man because he's literally a guy under makeup in a suit doing those movements and I, I really like Bob Ivy as Bubba Hotep yeah he's not doing a ton but he's he's working it man he's he's uh <clears throat> I, I think it's really good in, in that sense too and uh the practical effects the the big bitch cock big bitch cockroach I love I love the part where um it's really, it's really hilarious. He's looking at the cutlery on the on the on the the tray table. He's looking at the two pronged fork. He grabs a spoon instead. So of course he has to evade the big bitch cockroach. <laughs> the big bitch cockroach. I love it so much. Which is a uh, an Egyptian scarab, is it not, or just like a big one? Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. Right. Yeah, because I think that would probably tie it in closely with what the mummy is. Because, yeah, I think I remember, like, scarabs and, like, some kind of connection to um, pharaohs. Yeah. Yeah, I know that there's – I know I remember there was a connection that they made, but uh, my memory's kind of faded. It, it makes it makes more sense than that fly in, in Phantasm, but I, not that I'm dissing the fly in Phantasm. This is more in context with the, the story itself, though. Like hey, we got one of the tall man's figures, but hey, boo, it's fly, and boo, it's, it's on top of Mike's head. But um, um, I never read. Have you read the source material, Bo, for for this uh, the short story? I have I've never read it before. I no, I have not. Uh, one one thing I did want to mention though, just in terms of a nice little story beat. Speaking of of the original source material, um, I I really like the fact that when they're kind of figuring out how this mummy came to be that he was just basically dropped off the back of a truck. Oh yeah. Which is sort of, again, thematically it's all of these old men having been discarded who were once important, you know, and that like they're even the mummy is in the same boat. They are. He's really, he's really been forgotten about because this is such a valuable mummy to make a big deal about at the beginning of the movie. This is coming to him, coming to America, to a city near you, and he's literally discarded and just forgot about. Yeah, 
Right. Just again, just like them, mm-hmm. you know. And it, yeah, it's it, I, I I just man, I adore this movie. It's so it's it's again so deceptively smart. It's such a good. Movie. Oh boy, I got I gotta say that there's um comic adaptations of this ones, but um Bubba Hotep versus the Army of Darkness, which is a thing that's um not written by Joe Lansdale, but it's I think that's one of those dynamite comic crossovers that they always have, you know, Ash versus Nightmare on Elm Street, shit like that, and, but one, um, Mr. Lansdale was pushing, I heard, I heard about this one on, uh, uh, Mick Garris' podcast, is, uh, Bubba and the Cosmic Bloodsuckers, which is a prequel to Bubba Hotep, uh, here's the plot synopsis of that, years before facing the cowboy hat-wearing mummy Bubba Hotep in an East Texas retirement home, Elvis finds himself battling interdimensional, body-desecrating beings at the behest of his manager, Colonel Parker. Joining him on his journey is clairvoyant blind man, master planner Jack, hammer-swinging John Henry, bodyguard Johnny Smack, and trainee Jenny Joe Dallas. Down in New Orleans awaits the big mama who would like nothing more than to drain the jacked-up mojo from the group. So there's aliens involved in this, and Joe Lansdale is a writer on this, and, uh, I think there's a trade out here right now on Amazon for fourteen ninety nine. You guys can get all five issues of that and uh, give that a read and a glance if you guys are a big fan of this. But um, you, you had me at Johnny Smack. <laughs> Johnny Smack. <laughs> That's a pretty good name for anything. It's almost as good as Morgan Freeman in Street Talk as flat as Fast Black. You know, with his uh, with his Yuhu drink. I love that so much. But uh. <laughs> Bubba Hotep, though, um, I'm going to kick it to Don, and uh, anything else you like to say about it, and what does he give it, 1 to 10? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I would bow like this. Like, you figure this would be some really cheesy, silly, over-the-top film, but the, the meditation on mortality and facing your old age when you feel, when you don't feel it's your time, but the universe does. Like, that's far more intriguing than far more important you know like it's far smarter than what you would feel is present in a film like this um like i said i I am kind of right at that that place where the pacing does kind of drag in spots for me but no this is still a lot of fun i'm like eight and a half almost bo i i gotta say i like where don's head's at on this i think an eight and a half feels right it's not perfect there are definitely things about it that i like if 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 you were going to put a gun to my head and say what's wrong with bubba hotep uh i would say that yeah you there's probably a solid four minutes you could trim which doesn't sound like a lot but it kind of is in a movie and uh there's especially towards the end i think it loses some steam but i just think it's such a I, I still think it's Don Coscarelli's best movie. Uh, I like this more than Phantasm. Mm, I'm not there. I'm probably... it's. I like it more than John Dies at the End, but I don't know where I would put it over the sequels. It, it's, a good, it's a good race. I wouldn't mind dishing that one out. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll do that in the... We'll have a side bet. <laughs> well then, well if you're gonna do that, then where do we add the Deathstalker series? So that's kind of another. Yeah, yeah. Open up a real can of worms here. <laughs> Top five, I can live with. 
All right, all right. We'll we'll compromise on top five for sure. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mentioned the end, and I, I didn't mention this, but the part where they... I always love that let's suit up moments of the movie, and when mm. Bruce, Bruce's <laughs> d- doughy ass and with that walker puts on that gold lame suit, and <laughs> he's going to go to work with, with JFK to go take out this Egyptian soul sucker... <laughs> It is one of the best shots of the movie, and I, I gotta say that that wide shot down the hallway, you know, I, I totally want him to grab one of those baby roosts just in case, like they need some something for their blood sugar or something, just to to really hit it home, you know, with the um with them being that old and the the, the end is, is 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 tragic, but it, it it's like it's like victorious, like yeah, you burned up a mummy, and that's that's uh that's that that's that man, but it, it's I thought it, it led to a pretty great conclusion. Yeah, parts parts you can cut out though is like, and I get you know why these scenes are in there because those guys are his friend like, friends like that the, the 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 banter between the the corners is not that funny. It's just it's just it's not it's it's there but it's it's not that funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that seems more like uh, cameo shots for Coscarelli's friends because it's the same guys that appear in all his films. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Daniel Roebuck and that other guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that, that's something you can cut. You, that, there's your four minutes right there, and I, I uh, other stuff is kind of like emotional stuff that I think kind of works. And I love, I love Kimasabi. I love his his out. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, die with his soul intact. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm with these guys. It's a it's a it's a, a solid eight and a half to two and nine. I, I love it to death, man. I, I watch it all the time and. That's got a great Blu-ray out that I do not own, but that's going to be a thing eventually. In a Shout Factory or Scream Factory, taking my money, whatever. And that's shade meowing in the background. I I, I apologize for that, but uh, here we are. I never apologize for a cat wanting attention. <laughs> but next up, we're going to talk uh, Sam Elliott and hanging out with dogs and killing Nazis and, and little and little feet, well, skinny feet. Uh, <laughs> right after this, with uh, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. We'll talk to you guys in a minute. American Dream. He's just a common man. The American Dream does the road to this. I'm coming to you live in a living color. Speak to you, the American people, a podcast called Silver and Gold Daddy. And you know that the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, knows how to bring home the gold, Daddy. And just like Henry Silver sticking Baba Boucher's head inside a sow hanging from the ceiling, Silver and Gold will stick it to you. Stick it to your ears, stick it to your mouth, your eyes, your nose, daddy. And all points in between, they'll take your listening pleasure and stick it between a sow's caucus hanging from the ceiling, daddy. Silver and gold, we talk about movies and shit. Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com.
My grandfather used to tell me stories all about this one soldier. As he got older, the stories got stranger. Some I believed, others I don't know. But it wasn't describing a man. Wallet, keys. It was more like something mythic, legendary. You didn't pull any swords from any stones, did you? But you might have done something. Something bigger, maybe. So how have you been? You look a little tired. What's bothering you? Things I could have done differently. Regrets. Now I shot someone during the war. I never wanted that. Even if he had it coming. And he did. You've heard about the killings? Up north? What's the FBI have to do with it? Imagine all our worst fears about influenza. Inhumans, bovine, swine, all of it coming true to life, only worse. It's the Bigfoot, Ed. They want me to kill it. It's the carrier of this plague-type thing. Well, that's no good. If we cannot contain the beast, if we cannot destroy it, then it escapes. It could mean the very end of our world as we know it. You're the last resort. The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot from 2018. The stars, of course, the legendary and ageless Sam Elliott. You know, they really, they really aged him up for this movie, though, and I think that's unfair because he's such a treasure. Uh, some other names you might recognize is Ron Livingston. We may know from Office Space and Swingers and some other stuff. Uh, consummate funny man, Larry Miller, but he's very serious in this movie. I, I recognize this actor, uh... Rizwan Manji, who's in tons of stuff, he's an he's an um, East Indian actor, and I, uh, if you've seen his face, you guys would know who he is. Uh, this is written and directed by Robert D. Ooh, that's a hard name to pronounce. Chris Kowski. Chris Kowski, yeah. Um, your cheapo plot synopsis is real cheap too, because there's so much more to this. A legendary American war veteran is recruited to hunt a mythical creature. It's not that mythical if he's very real and fucking causing bacteria shit. But uh, I'll kick it to Bo first to talk about uh, this film. What do you think of it, sir? Uh, I think that this movie should be a little better. Um, I really like Sam Elliott a whole, whole lot. And I think he's great in this. Um, I think that... Uh, I'm going to steal Don's thunder a little bit because I agree with him. I think one of the big problems of this movie is it takes itself very, very seriously. And while Bubba Hotep is a very silly movie that has a very serious message underneath it. Um, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot feels like a very serious movie that has a very silly story happening underneath it. And that makes it a little less significant somehow. It, it, it cheapens it a little bit um, because some of the scenes are like really beautiful. Like this story of this love that 
was lost years and years before is uh boy it's downright captain america-esque in its tragedy um but uh it at the end of the day i felt like it those scenes those kind of heartfelt scenes almost didn't belong in a movie called the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot and I wanted to see something and, and maybe it's just improper expectations or something because I do think the performances are good. And even Ron Livingston, who was doing a very much like this eighties kind of square jaw type, uh, sort of character. That's kind of interesting. And the movie itself is fun and I had a good time with it. I just wish I'd had a little bit better time. I wish Sam Elliott had had more fun. I wish that it didn't, like so much of this movie wasn't him almost crying, you know, like he should have been a little more awesome or something in this movie. I, I can't, I can't disagree with you in that sense, but, um, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm going to kick it to Don. I'm, I'm curious what Don thinks. And, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you guys what I think. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with Bo. Um, for a film, I think like this, this is, almost too good of a title for it like it's a perfect encapsulation of the film itself but then it's really not because for a film like this you expect more than what you get and i wish this would have actually like bo said gone the route where sam elliott for as great as he is in this movie Man, I wish to God the fight between him and Bigfoot would have been better because that's the perfect part of this movie and something we can talk a little later about because I don't want to give too much away. But it's one of those films where this shouldn't have worked. It does better than what you think it would be, but it still doesn't hit every mark that it really should so it's a fun ride it's definitely better than what you would expect given the premise which you know the premise sells says this is going to be you know some sci-fi schlockbuster of the week and it's not but then it doesn't quite reach the expectations of its altered perception so yeah i'm with bo on this one the, the big problem with this movie is is that the trailer, the title, makes you think that this is an exploitation movie. Because you, know, you have this character, and in, in, in the preview they show him being like this real tough, grizzled old man who does who still can handle himself. There's that great scene where he's, he's going to get his car stolen, but he, he dispatches these guys, three guys with, with old man ease. And he doesn't like doing some Bruce Lee shit or anything, but he's... He's capable of handling himself, and it's, it, it, they make it pretty clear in that one scene. And th- then you get, you know, for the first two thirds of this movie, this story about this this soldier who's, you know, he's not a man; he's just an assignment. He says so. He's obviously forgotten country. You know, these colors don't run. Yeah. I killed the, the the biggest, you know, monster there ever was. Like I killed Hitler. You know, now I, I, I almost regret it because I lost my only love because I'm playing the long con with the Nazis here just so I can, you know, sniff out Hitler and find precisely where he's going to be so I can go in there and do the deed. He he lost so much, but, but gained, you know, so much in, in, in doing what he did. So the whole film is about 
regret basically because like the whole this whole time he's and some of the some of the most tender points of this movie is just Sam Elliott talking to the dog because that's the only joy he has left in life is talking to the dog and, and of course sometimes his his brother that's estranged but not estranged because he really wants to talk to him but Sam Elliott's kind of a dick to him in a way and uh, but then you know you get you get the the exploitation factor which they they. And the the biggest problem is this is really kind of shoehorned into the movie, because the last yeah. act of, the, the last act of this movie is these government guys coming to see him because they're aware of of his capabilities, but they're also aware that he's immune to this bacteria infecting big Bigfoot that's that lives in the mountains that could possibly destroy the whole the whole planet or the whole country or whatever it is with its, its bacteria infections and killing everybody. But he happens to be immune to this, so they, they find out, hey, this guy's capable of dude kicking some ass, and his tracking skills are top-notch, and he's immune to this, happens to be immune to this Bigfoot who could possibly destroy the Earth with its nasty uh, bacterial infections. So the And, other, and oh, I also heard, once upon a time, my grandfather said that maybe he killed Hitler. Yeah, maybe he did that. So I, I think with Ron Livingston's character... It's more of a, a fascination and say, hey, I gotta meet this guy. I gotta see if the rumors are true. And of course, the rumors are true because he, he, he gives, uh, goes on the whole schmeal about that. So, not that him killing Hitler is is not an important part of the, of the movie, but I think it's drawn out way too much. And they established more of the romance, which is fine, because that's like his biggest regret in the whole movie is that whilst he was killing the biggest monster in the world, that he lost the greatest love of his life, you know, because of it. They don't say how she dies or anything, but she, she, she's, she's dead by the time he comes home. And that's, that's, um, that's sad. But, but like, the, like, like I was saying, like, it's, it just seems really tacked on this, this story with this Bigfoot. But once, once you get into it, it's, it's, it's rushed for one thing. Cause you have like 10 minutes of, of, of them talking about it. And then all of a sudden, pow, he, he's in the mountains and you know, yeah. Uh, and then, no, it's I, I, I get it. I, that's exactly my big thing with it is that the film introduces him at such a late stage that it's almost unnecessary to even include him to begin with. Mm-hmm. And for me, if you're gonna have, you know, the film is called "The Man Who Killed Hitler" and then the Bigfoot. Like the the final confrontation should the final part of the film should be his confrontation with one or the other. Mm-hmm. And we've dumped Hitler at the beginning because that's his backstory. So then the other confrontation must be Bigfoot. So the final confrontation with Bigfoot should be the end of the movie, but it ends t- 10 minutes before the end. Mm-hmm. So there's like this 20 minute section of the film where yes. Bigfoot's involved in it. And then it's just completely dropped unceremoniously because you have his final laments going back home about okay well i've done that now i've done these two great services to this country nobody's ever going to know and it's like you know you could have done so much more with this yeah that back end stuff with you know like i said it's so rushed and but the stuff that you do get with him you know especially the one-on-one stuff where of course, the, the the Bigfoot is playing possum, so they have the great the great confrontation they have, in which you know the Bigfoot has excellent footwork apparently can kick some ass. I kind of I kind of like that it's not your perception of this you know this lumbering figure. It's kind of like this 
thinnish, but you know, very athletic. Something that you wouldn't see in a Bigfoot ever. And he even makes the joke about it in the movie. He's he's not as big as you guys would think, kind of deal. You know. Well, I got the impression it wasn't a fully grown one. Yeah. It looked it looked more, I would say, equivalent to like a teenager, maybe. Yeah, I, I like I like his face because the, the the whole thing yeah. they, play, they have to play about is like he's he spreads disease and his face right. will tell you that he spreads disease and I yeah. really like that. But yeah, but I'm saying I I got the idea that this wasn't the fully grown one and I, that was maybe their fear, you know, stopping it before the full grown adult who has who's far more deadly because not just the bacteria but then you've also got you know he's bigger he's taller he's stronger he's going to be a lot more aggressive and a lot more willing to use the physical tools at his disposal as well as the biological ones Mm -hmm. so to me i thought it wasn't a fully grown one i thought it it looked it looked and behaved much more like an adolescent like a teenager Mm -hmm. so the the, the tacked on you know two endings this movie though and it's not really tacked on. I understand that once he's done this, he needs some kind of resolution to say, okay, now, now, now I can settle. But the fact that, you know, and I, I you, you get everything the movie promises. He kills Hitler and then the Bigfoot, okay? But the, 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 the way they treated the Bigfoot in this movie, just having, like, no, no like, build-up to this, except for, like, they, they spend more time talking about him and the Nazis than anything else. They say, by the way, we got this biological creature that could possibly destroy the Earth. Can you be the man for the job? I need that rifle, that scope, and that knife. Let's go. And then he's in the woods for fucking ten minutes. And then that then that's over with. Not that it wasn't awesome. It just was kind of underwhelming for, for what you were expecting. Especially with the trailer. And, you know, I, I kind of agree with Dave Z in, in this sense. Don't watch the trailer of this film before you watch the movie. I think it's available on Hulu right now to watch for free on Hulu. And, um... So don't watch the trailer first. Watch the film, and if you like, you know, emotional stuff. And I like the emotional stuff in this movie, but you might be disappointed if you watch the trailer first. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that because this is kind of true. You know, trailer ruins the film for people's perception of what it's, what they think it's gonna be, which is kind of like this exploitation film that's not an exploitation film. In uh, a, it's it's. I, I I love it. I'm gonna give it a higher rating than you would think, but it, it's I'm gonna kick it back to Bo again. And uh, what else do you think, Bo? And what would you give one to ten, Bo Rilla? What you down? Give me give to Don next, man. Oh, sorry, uh, man. I, I apologize. I had myself muted. That's okay. Uh, um, no, I I thought I I like this movie. I just don't love it, and I don't like now that I've seen it. I don't know that I necessarily need to run back and watch it again mm-hmm. uh, anytime soon. So I'm probably going to give it about eh, like a six and a half. Uh, it, like if you've never seen it, it's kind of worth a look just because Sam Elliott's great, and every now and then he'll give you that, you know, I got to go after the Bigfoot amigo, and you're just like, God damn, he's so good. <laughs> Um, so there's enough of that in this movie for me to really get behind it. Um, but not enthusiastically, I guess. Fair enough. Don. Yeah. Um, it's a little underwhelming if you're expecting, you know, the straight out exploitation that it promises from what you said that it happens in the trailer that I've never seen or just judging by the poster or the title. But 
there's like Bo said, there's enough here to get behind that it's a solid watch. I do agree it's not maybe as an immediate or, you know, urgent watch, I guess, would be like a more appropriate term. Let's like, okay, this dropped, okay, like there's, you know, your plan for the evening is, okay, I'm watching this instead of, you know, this other film that I've had on my queue for three months now. You know, it's not one of those kinds of things. It's one of those you put on your queue and hope you get to it when it's still there. Um, Sam Elliott raises this enough for me that I'm probably just a little higher than Bo. I'm probably, I would say, like right around seven and a half, maybe just a little above, but... Yeah, from it's a little underwhelming, but it's still a solid enough watch. I'm gonna mirror what Don said, you know, with that seven and a half. That's the, that's what I'm gonna give it. But I I, I had to bring this up because the film starts with um, and I didn't think it had such an impact on me, but it starts with the Billy Squire song, "Did Lonely Is the Night." And if you listen to the lyrics of the song, it kind of fits the movie. And I see I see what you did there, Mr. Writer Director. And uh, th- there you go. That's a real small thing, but you know. Like um, like I like we've been talking about the whole time. This movie does a lot of great that does a lot of things great, but also commits a lot of crimes in, in which it, it alters your perception of what film you're gonna get. So either you're, you're feeling, you know, the emotional journey of Sam Elliott, which he he keeps you in it. He does, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, without him, I'm without him. I'm being honest. Without Sam, without that being Sam Elliott, I, I'm nowhere near seven and a half. Oh yeah. But I'm like, the, the Bigfoot stuff, you know, the, 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 I hate to say the stuff you came to see with this Bigfoot was just, you spend such a short time with it, and it's kind of disappointing, and you kind of wish this was two different films. Like, you had the stuff with, with Hitler in the beginning of the film, good hour, 25 minutes, and then you get a, you get a, a second part to this in which he goes, there's, more, there's lots more exposition with this Bigfoot character because he's so... This they've never done something like this with a Bigfoot character ever, making him like a bacterial threat and making him so different. You just wish you had more time to spend with it, and they would have they would have done more with it, not just boom, he's in the woods, and that and then fifteen minutes later you get nothing else. I, I would much rather have a first blood situation in, in which Sam Elliott is hunting the Bigfoot in this this wilderness. I, I would much rather have that as a second part to this movie. So if they split this up. I think uh, I, I think it would be uh, would have been beneficial to everybody, but it didn't work out that way. Um, seven and a half, though. I, I I dig it. I recommend it with a caveat of all the stuff that we've spoken about in this review. But um, yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. And um, after this, you'll hear me and Court doing something sloppy. And, and uh, yeah, that's coming up next. So see you guys soon. The music that tore the school apart. They're at it again. The party the school couldn't stop. Go for it! No matter how hard they tried. There are going to be some changes here at Lincoln High. We have to stop Dr. Vader from destroying rock and roll high school. Feldman and his rock and roll band trashed the rules and pushed the school to the limit. Your band has been eradicated. Oh, 
my god, Jack, it is you. The only man I ever had sex with. Wasn't that bad? I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. Yo, Freddy! Where you hiding at, you bright face pussy? I don't mean to be a stickler, but this is the seventh sequel to our original motion picture. Oh, hell. <laughs> Another sloppy seconds coming at you, people. I'm here with Cord Syabs. How you doing, sir? I am doing excellent. How are you tonight? Fine, man. Uh, and we're here uh, tonight also with a guy who's made a documentary about this film. But he's, you know, he's, he's working on it. He's got a good cut of it going on. He owns the laser disc of this film, being wow. Rock and Roll High School Forever. Uh, Adon Gonzalez is here. Yeah, there it is. So pretty. We can awesome. see the video. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> oh, man. First of all, um, yeah, here's a, here's a goopy blot synopsis of this film. Um, I gotta find the thing now because I'm slow about it. Here we go. So, 1991, it's from, uh, Concord New Horizons, which is a damn, uh, damn Corman flick again. I love these Corman flicks. Those rambunctious kids are back in school and back in trouble in a smash sequel to the 1978 worldwide hit. Corey Feldman leads a, leads a rock and roll rally at Ronald Reagan High, but must triumph over an evil plan of the school's fascist principal, Vader. They call her Vader, but they always spell it V-A-D-A-R, so there you go. Sounds a little halted there. Who plans to halt the school dance and ruin run their school like a prison. This stars a bunch of faces that you may know. Including Corey Feldman, Larry Linville, of course, that Larry Linville from MASH, of course. Uh, Mary Warrenov reprises her role as the principal, kind of. She's kind of a robot in this movie. Cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Le- Leanne Curtis, you may know from some stuff. Um, yes. Jason Lively, uh, who's in, who's in Night of the Creeps and European Vacation. There's a lot of recognizable people in this people. Um, one of my favorite ones being, uh, Oh, Stephen Ho, who plays Namrock, who's a hero of mine because he played Donatello in that Ninja Turtles movies. So that's a, yeah. uh, as a kid that that makes my heart happy. But um, I'm gonna kick it to um, I'm gonna kick it to you first, Adon. And uh, where does the love of this movie come from for you, man? Oh wow, um, you know I, I remember being a kid, um, little little kid, and it would it would play a lot on cable. And luckily, I grew up in a household that had cable, so um, I managed to see it at least a dozen times as a kid. And, uh, you know, it was all about Namrock for me when I was a kid. That, hey, this know my pee, that was like all, that was everything. That was the funniest thing I'd ever seen up to that point. And um, I don't know, uh, throughout the years, I remember um, when they were still selling VHS at stores, I went and I sought it out and I found it. One of the first things I ever bought with my own money. I still have that tape. Um, it's just stuck with me. It's such a weird little movie. I saw this way before I saw the original, you know. Um, years later, getting into punk rock and stuff, it all kind of came full circle. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I've been questioning that myself. I don't know why I like this movie so much. But I liked it enough to spend a lot of time working on this documentary. And uh, I'm trying to figure it out, too. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
Court, come in. I am on mute, am I now? Court, can you hear me, brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're up next, uh, brother. Go for it. <laughs> now, I've actually only seen bits and pieces of this film throughout the years. And just like Adon said, I would caught it on cable here and there, you know. And I would kind of find little pieces of it. And I think I'd seen the whole entire thing, but just like spread out over years of just catching like maybe the tail end of it or watching the middle before I went and did something as a kid or, or what have you. And it wasn't until I sat down to do the review for the show that I actually have seen the film start to finish in its entirety. And I, I think what we kind of talked about a lot of times when we talk about these types of sequels is when they emulate the original, it ends up becoming something that the people that love the original may not appreciate what it is because it emulates the original so well. And it just feels like a bunch of missed beats. Uh, we talked about that with Caddyshack too, um, before that was just kind of something that has happened for a lot of folks. And if this is something that you saw before you saw the original, like what happened with me with Caddyshack, and actually this film as well, it does hold a fonder place in your heart um, than what the original would for, like, other folks. And I, I think, like, what I can kind of distill down a lot of people's complaints about this one, because it is so much like the original Rock and Roll High School, if anybody had any complaints about it, what it distills down to is, uh, where's Riff Randall and where's the Ramones? Like, that's their biggest complaints, because, I mean... This movie requires no fixing because it's got Mojo Nixon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have a lot of fun for this with this film, and I, I got a lot of time for it. I actually really enjoyed watching it. Now, it's not one that I would definitely watch back-to-back -back with Rock and Roll High School, the original, but this would be the kind of movie that I could see myself watching to fall asleep at night as a kid tons of times. I just never got the opportunity to. And I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it is exactly what it is. It's the sequel to Rock and Roll High School many years later. And unfortunately, the original Rock and Roll High School was lightning in a bottle. And they tried too hard to emulate the original. And I think that may have hurt it in a lot of people's eyes. But I was able to etch-a-sketch that when I watched it. And I still had a blast. Hell, oh, man. First of all, I can mention that this episode is brought to you by the first Lithuanian Church of Large Appliance Worship. <laughs> Uh, what a weird I, sequence, man! I, That's I so weird. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I that is so weird. <laughs> remember when Farmore was a Farmore was a thing, Tor? Remember that thing back in the day? Like yeah, before, I remember Farmore. I rented this from that store, and uh, <laughs> I rented a lot from that store. I, I watched it a bunch because this is back when Corey Feldman could do no wrong in my adolescent brain. So I was watching like real trash. Like, Dream a Little Dream 2, which is nowhere near as good as this movie at all, you know, because I really like this movie. That movie is like, let's take this serious movie about these two young lovers who have, like, a weird out about experience, and let's make it about with the Corys having some magical sunglasses and shit, you know? Yeah. It's a yeah. sequel in name only in that case, yeah. Oh, I think they keep the names, though, in that movie, which I always thought was hilarious his name was Dinger in that movie, Corey Haim, yeah. <laughs> Well, wasn't the other guy Dumas, but they kept calling him Dumbass to piss him off? Something like that. It's just classic 80s. You can go walk around, call him the black kid on the Cosby show, Cockroach, and why not call <laughs> Corey Haimdinger, you know? Uh, <laughs> Anthony Stabone on the, the Growing Pains, his boner. So, yeah. It's, 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 it's just so 80s, it's not even funny, but 
this flick, I love, this is right where Corey was doing his thing, you know, with the, the singing and the dancing and stuff. And I know the Eradicators tunes were not played by the band, but it, it wouldn't have worked without Corey's swagger, because I really like the tunes in this movie, oh. especially the Eradicators tunes, which I, I would hope that he would re-record with somebody. And I think you, you shared a video, I think in, in your, your doc, where he was doing one of the Eradicator songs live on stage. Uh, yeah, man, that was cool. Giving the, awesome. the people what they want, man. You know? <laughs> that would be awesome to see. But, yeah, I was. Oh, sorry. No, no. Uh, Mary Warnov shooting back in this. You can tell she's having a lot of stupid fun in this role. I don't know yeah. how she feels about it, but she wouldn't have been hamming it up so bad if she, if she wasn't having a lot of fun in this role. She seemed to enjoy herself licking the hell out of that dude's chest. I'll Man. tell you that much. <laughs> Never saw that shit on cable when I was a kid. Um, she's, Mary, oh, yeah, um, she actually had three broken ribs during the filming. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, she heard her, she broke her ribs skiing, and she was so worried that they were going to kick her off the movie. She, she like, begged him, like, please let me do this. Uh, you know, my, my injury won't, won't affect anything. And the director and everyone was like, does she really think we're not going to let her do this movie? <laughs> what the hell? She's Mary Warner of, you know? And so everything you see in there with her jumping around and swinging the, all that with broken ribs, man, it's crazy. L- She's that a guy's, total trooper. Yeah, licking that guy's bosom and whatnot. You know, come on now. <laughs> One of my favorite lines of the movie. She's licking his bosom. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. No, Her tongue is a machete in that scene. That's for sure. Yes, indeed, man. If it's like the real Mary Warren, I'll be like, probably cut you like ice, man. Because she's she's a hip lady. She's a Warhol girl, so you know she's in some kinky ass shit. Yeah. And, and the mainstay of almost all of Parvon Towers. Uh, Paul Bartel's films too I mean they even had this weird thing where they had this fake rumor that they made up like or that Paul Bartel used to put on them where he would say that they were a married couple even though he was a gay man he just liked the idea of people thinking that him and Mary Hornoff were married <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah just, just just keeping up that illusion of the the blends I love it so much man it's a well, they're an amazing comedic duo. When the two of them work together, they are incredible. For sure. Um, yeah, this film starts out, I think, you know, she tells you what kind of film you're going to get, which is really silly, you know, them blowing up all the toilets and shit, you know. These are your uh, these are your, your, your ruffians, but the fun kids at that school. It's very much, much like, you know, Caddyshack and a lot of those other films. You know, it's it's very slobs versus snobs. You get the rich preppy kids at the school that are always trying to like put them down, and and, and eventually the film you know get get, get at them, and they of course they have to get get revenge, of course, and uh, I think a pretty pretty hilarious fashion. It feels yeah. more like Animal House than Rock and Roll High School for this film. Yeah. And once I got into that mode of that style of comedy, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I had in the past watching it this time around. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, what else? There's there's tons to talk about, and um, I I I, I again the the the, the part with <laughs> where they go to look at the refrigerator is one of the craziest things I've ever seen too, Court. And I, I I gotta say, it's like why is this in this movie? But you know what? But once they reveal that they're, they're, they're wearing all that fucking cutlery underneath the fucking clothes, 
it all it all comes together for me and i love it so much you know it's the most weird and elaborate prank i have ever seen pulled in a movie before in my life and like when they do that reveal and it's like the whole like your brain clicks and goes oh they're just fucking around and being weird to see how long these people will let them stay in their house and when they do that and then the people are like oh my goodness will you look at that edna it's just like weird like they they're pranked but at the same time the people are kind of like well i uh, guess whatever religion they want to practice that's fine <laughs> get in here the lithuanians <laughs> get the camera edna. <laughs> i love it it's fucking weird then, if you look real close it's a real throwaway thing but they do show up in like a weekly world news magazine article <laughs> oh it's a it's it's like a one second cut but they they show up on like the cover of like this weekly world news magazine in uh that's kind of great um uh, yeah man one of uh i think the two biggest questions i've got from people from other fans is um about the soundtrack everybody wants to know about the unreleased soundtrack and everyone was like what's up with that refrigerator scene you know um so i had i asked everyone that i talked to Nobody knew what the hell it was. Uh, they, you know, I, they were just like, yeah, I don't know. Well, they, they, they came in, choreographed this dance, and it was just something we did. Or, you know, Leanne Curtis said she had to leave to pick up her kid, so it was a big rush for her. And it wasn't until later she realized, what the hell was that? You know? <laughs> and, then, and then they're just like, I guess it was a prank. The most pointless prank in history, but it was a prank. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of pranking in this movie, and I think that it fills it out, you know, with, with this crazy plot, with this principal literally turning their school into a prison, and of course they they don't do that because they're they're uh the rebels, man, and they they, they gotta they, they gotta do what they gotta do. Like, this film isn't heavy on plot, people. It's it's just fun, you know. And I gotta say, even the most annoying characters, because um, what's the little one, the little preppy girl, uh. Margaret, the one with Margaret. the pink denim with that teased hair. I don't, care, yeah. I don't care how annoying she is. It does it for me, okay? It's a, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, Corey, I do yeah, have a oh, sorry. Yeah, I got a huge question that I just got to ask because it's something that I've seen speculated about on the Internet all the time. The drummer character, who is very clearly, uh, like, patterned to look like Corey Haim, like, yeah. that was intentional, right? Like, did they want Haim in there that you know of, or...? Yeah, that was the third thing everybody wanted to know. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing that I need to know. <laughs> okay, actually, no. Um, it was not intentional. Um, uh, okay, I talked to Deborah, the director, and even she was like, you know, that's the one thing people ask me, is it was, was Corey Haim supposed to be in it? And no, he wasn't. Uh, Corey Feldman was actively trying to separate you know, himself and, and Corey uh, Haim. And actually, his buddy in the movie was supposed to be Alfonso Rivero. That oh, was, wow. Uh, it was supposed to be kind of a buddy comedy. Those two were going to be the main characters. But things they didn't work out that way, and Patrick Malone wound up getting that part as the keyboardist, uh, Jones. And so like, once that happened, they cut, they cut a lot of the lines out, you know. And then the thing with Corey Haim, it's it's the fucking it's the hair man it's Evan Evan Richards had that that red hair and she said that she assumes that it was uh, just a look that was in and it was unfortunate for Corey Feldman because you know 
everyone assumed that Corey Haim was supposed to be in this. You know, uh, I love I love Corey Haim, but I think Evan Richards brought it. That was pretty great, man. That the the scene where he's uh, giving his book report is one of my favorite things ever. Oh my gosh, yeah, really dark humor in that, and it's hilarious how he gets away with it using the beeper to be a fake pacemaker. It's so funny. Yeah, man. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that too. Uh, my favorite scene from Evan. There's a couple of them, but at the end, whenever uh, <laughs> I forgot, and that they they see the video and she's licking the guy, and then he looks up and goes. Dr. Vader's a woman? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> well, well, thanks for, for uh, kind of clearing that up for me. Um, yeah. the, my final thoughts that I have to go to here, we've been talking about the refrigerator scene because that's going to stick with me forever, the appliance worship and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of trying to wrap my head around what it felt like to me. And this is what I was thinking. If David Lynch didn't have a dark, twisted sense of being... If he were attempting to make comedy, that's the kind of thing he would shoot. Oh, yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Only it wouldn't have been a prank. That would have just been a thing that they do, and you had to accept it. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Let me see that. Yeah, and I think that's what it sticks with me so much, because I'm like, that is so weird and so trippy and makes no sense, and it's kind of wonderful, right smack in the middle of the film. And it just kind of, like, it pushes it away from the other film quite a bit, because... As you had said, they were going to try and make more of a buddy thing, so clearly that's Kate and Riff. They're trying to do that with yeah. Corey Heyman, whoever his friend's going to be. And I think you limit yourself when you try and do those kind of things with comedy. So when it started going off far field from that, that's when I started enjoying it more. And um, I really dug the quote-unquote witch girl that was supposed to be really bizarre. And Her name, that's is, her, her name is Tabitha, by the way, which is a nice bewitched uh, throwback there. You know. Yes. Yeah, the character of Tabitha, whenever her and the drummer guy have this weird, quirky, awkward love story, I was like, that story could have been very well a romantic comedy in the 80s that they try to do, but it's just kind of like pushed into this film, and it's just like another layer, and it's really fascinating, and I was really intrigued with that, and I kind of want to see a movie with like that kind of thing. <laughs> the part well. where she's dumping all the food on the, di the dish... If you're, yeah. one of those, if you're one of those people that don't like your food touching, you might throw up in that scene because she's just dumping all kinds of shit on that fucking plate, you know. Yeah, she points out the grossest portion of fat in that tray, and I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I talked to her. Uh, her name's Brynn Hartz. Um, she's, she's fucking, she's badass, man. A really cool chick. She, um, what is she, she's still working. She does a lot of things. Um, she had she had the best memory out of everybody, as far as being on the film and working on it and all that. She was, if you watch it again, you, you notice she is very dedicated. She every scene she's in, she is she is that character, and everyone did good. But to me, she 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 outacted everybody. If you ask me, you could have told me the first time I watched this as a kid that that was just how that girl would have acted, and she was just thrown into the movie, and I would have totally believed it. Because yeah. she becomes that. It's like super method almost the way she acts. Yeah, that yeah, was. She told me a funny story. Um, it's in the doc also. She told me that years later, it was like, like I don't know, years later, not that long ago, she uh, was at some random party and they had put up a screen outside and they started showing this movie and nobody knew that she was in it. There, Everyone was quoting it, laughing, and that she was standing there. Nobody knew that she was the witch. And I, I, all her lines, people were quoting them and shit like that. 
And then when she finally did go up and tell him, hey, you know, I'm in this movie, that's me, I'm tapping that they just flipped out. It was like, she said, she, it was like, she was a big celebrity that night. You know? <laughs> That's crazy. How surreal would that be to make a little film that you think everybody doesn't know about or just forgets about, and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of a, a joy fest that people are just worshiping the film just while you're there, and they have no idea that it's you. That would be so cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be a crazy feeling. That no, if, you, if I was in this movie, I would think nobody is out there watching you know, <laughs> Well, that's like when Gary told me that we were doing this because you're making the documentary. I'm like, really? Somebody's making a documentary about that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's such a strange subject. But now that I, you know, that I'm speaking with you, and now that I feel that passion and that love, and I'm getting yeah. some of the same camaraderie with you from that, like I totally get it now. Like I'm on board. <laughs> and I can't wait for y'all to see it. It's a uh, it's really come along since since I since I showed it to Gary. Yeah, I've had it a lot. Love. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it too. But uh, Court, would you give what would you give the film itself, Rockwell High School, forever one to ten? Uh, with this viewing, I'm gonna say it is a seven and a half because it is right up above liked it, and it's just right below really liked it because I had a blast with it. You know what? Forget it. I'm gonna give it an eight because of that fucking refrigerator scene. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> it's a straight up eight because of the surrealistic weird thing. It goes all the way up to eight. Um, and it's one of those, like, I don't want to call it a guilty pleasure because I'm not going to say, oh, no, I don't, you know, no, no, no. I'm not going to hide that I liked it. I really, really enjoyed this film. It was so much fun. Yeah, me, me myself, uh, I, I, I dig, I dig, I dig the soundtrack I mentioned. I, I dig a lot of things about it. And, uh, I've loved it since I was a kid and I still love it now. I, I own the DVD somewhere with, um, it's a double bill with some other Corey Feldman <laughs> film. In which yeah, Lewis that, shows up in it, and uh, I forget what it's called, but um, uh, South Beach something. Academy. Yeah, there you go. He's, he's, it's, it's doubled with that one. I was lucky to pick that up for a decent price, so I'm glad that I own that. And but um, yeah, I think that your 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 love for this film is gonna stuff. He's gonna is gonna really lean on whether you could tolerate both films, Rock Roll High School, which is a totally different film than this film. There's still a lot of hijinks in there and stuff like that, but um, it doesn't have the Ramones in it, obviously, but the soundtrack still really pumps it up, and there are a Ramones coffee cup shows up in this one, you know, with the replacement Eagle Bauer, which I think is, uh, I love Clint Howard, but I, I love uh, I love Eagle Bauer's hair in this movie. It's kind of great, you know. It's so many years later, it's Eagle Bauer's kid. Yeah, he's he, taken over, and he's in the high school now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Severus, he uh, he actually popped up in this latest season, Nine Hundred. Oh, nice! Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> so you kind of got that crutch to lean on. You can't say, you know, this was made like like four years later. This is made. I think the original Rockwell High School is nineteen seventy eight. This is nineteen ninety one. So you have a ga enough gap in there to say, okay, this is a new crop of kids. This is a new <laughs> everything. Just to say, hey, let's do it. And I, I know Mojo Nixon. I, I I think he's great, but a lot of folks are going to say, and this is a fair assessment, he's not a replacement for the Ramones, and he's, and he's not, because the Ramones are throughout the film, the original yeah. film. And, um, but still, it's, it's tons of fun. The pranks are fun. I laugh every time I see Jason Lively smelling those fucking underwear, man, that makes me laugh my ass every time, you know? <laughs> it's so fucking weird, man. Yeah, man, it's so great. Uh, but I give it an 8 out of 10, too. It, it's, it's fun. You gotta remember, like, the film you're watching. It's not Lawrence of Arabia or nothing like that, but 
for the kind of film it is, it, it is an eight out of ten. It's 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 pure fun. I I have a good time with it. And um, if you had to rate it, sir, what would you give it one to ten? Oh man, you know, uh, I'd say it's a ten all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I would I expect nothing say less from someone that's going to make a documentary about it. Totally. <laughs> get it? You know, I get why people. You know, they they might watch it and just eh, whatever. But uh, it, it, like you said, it, it's pure fun. Um, in the realm of bizarre sequels, it is right up there. Uh, ah, man, I wish I could. I, I'm hoping that once I get it out there and talk to more people, maybe I'll figure out why why I like this movie so much. Well, um, you live in the age of the internet, and I think this really helps your cause quite a bit because there, there's people just like you, just like me, that rented this movie and watched it, you know, and didn't realize, you know, why they were watching it so many times. Yeah. And have grown up and have grown have grown a love for it to say okay now I never now I realize why I like this 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 thing because it's got yeah. catchy tunes in it it's got far performances Namrock has martial arts weapons in school for no fucking reason whatsoever you know because it was like the nineties and you could get away with that back then yeah oh my gosh because he was an Asian guy and you know that's that's not his piece all I'm gonna say man you know yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, idea too. Um, I don't know if you know much about Steven, but he's like a badass martial arts. Like he's like a competitive martial arts guy. When I found uh, out he was Donatello, that was good enough for me, man. That's all I'm gonna say about that, you know. <laughs> but this, this is where we're gonna leave this one. And um, as my buddy Eric would say, we'll see you all again in part two. Hey, Beavers, I made a mistake, and I didn't let Adon pimp his shit. He's on YouTube. You can look at his first stuff. Uh, I urge you guys to. Staunch TV and Staunch on the Film. That's where you can find the Forever, the Rockwell High School Forever uh, documentary trailer he made. And uh, that's on there. And lots of great weird film uh, retrospectives on there. He just released one for Blood Salvage, uh, which is a silly little film that I did way back when on the one of those Halloween episodes, one of those mini episodes, and I uh, urge you guys to go check all that good stuff out. He's he's working hard on it independently. So, uh, yeah, go, go, brother. Staunch TV, Staunch on Film, YouTube. Go check it out. Be fun. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
right, guys, that's the end of this one. And I'd like to thank Bo and Don for, for stepping up and uh, being around when the beef ladies cannot be around. And, uh, Bo, you got lots of stuff going on. Uh, tell the folks what you got coming up, man. And Bo's on mute again. I am. I was. <laughs> uh, there, it's because there's so much going on, Gary. Uh, you could hear the ka-chunk, ka-chunk of the machinery here at Legion headquarters. Um, oh, yeah. Over on Legion. Think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, are, are, are Bunsen and Beaker there doing stuff, you know? Me, 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 me. You got to have Muppet Labs going, man, is all I'm saying. The, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, we, we're going to blow up uh, Ricky. Since yes, he's the drummer, right. he would be the the one who got blown up to ridiculous proportions. See, that's a, um, spinal, that's a spinal tab joke. That's a joke that Ricky would, imp- would, would appreciate, see? <laughs> Technically, that's a Muppet movie joke. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So, but I'll take the spinal tap double uh, double tap. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've got uh, in addition to great shows like this, and uh, you know, Hail Ming uh, from Ricky and the Psycho Semanticast from Darren. Uh, the stuff that I'm directly doing there is uh, Duncan and Bo Hunt Mines. The first episode of that is dropping Tuesday, which is Duncan McLeish and myself. Uh, talking about this new season of Mindhunter, two episodes at a time. Uh, don't worry if you don't watch it because we kind of explain what's going on. And then uh, there's Pick 6 Movies, which is um, in the midst of Season 8 as we record this. And uh, there's kind of a big announcement coming up at the end of this season about uh, our release schedule moving forward, So, uh, which is good. There's going to be more of it, I believe. Um, and then, uh, there's Legion Inc, uh, which is exclusive to the Legion podcast, uh, podcast feed, um, which is me and, uh, and Jason, uh, talking about comic books and already, uh, people on the flick chat are like, Hey, read this. So it's kind of already working out in my favor I, where I still, I still have to listen to that by the way. And I really want to. Uh, where we were like, hey, because we kind of bag on DC a little bit. And it was like, hey, if there's a DC run I need to be paying attention to, let me know. Or if there's just something cool that I should be reading, send me a suggestion. And people have. And so I've got a couple of books already that uh, were were thrown my way that seem to be kind of um, indie alternative stuff in in the vein of the boys. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Their latest run, the new 52 of All Star Western, was pretty great. I, I got to throw that out there. But if you like that sort of thing, uh, also somebody mentioned today the Grant Morrison uh, stuff with Green Lantern. Yes, yes has definitely. has been good. So, uh, and I told him, I said, next time I see it on the shelf, I'll grab, I'll, I'll see if Morrison's the writer on it. If he is, I'll grab an issue. Um, so yeah, it's, it's blowing up my comic budget. Cause now people are like, well, you should also read this. And I'm like, man, I got, did I not tell you about friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Yes, you did. Yes. I think, I think off the air, we, we, we talked about it. So, uh, at any rate, so that's, what's going on over on legionpodcast.com. that and more, uh, you can head over to the website and subscribe to all the shows there. And, and uh, get some extra reviews and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, that feels like enough, right? Yeah. Well, de- de- it's definitely enough, man. You know, that, not that I like hearing your voice on stuff, but it's just, uh, 
sometimes we do too much and get get overwhelmed. Da- Danny a little Reed. bit. Yes, indeed. Danny Rings, what you got coming up, man? All right. Um, I am. Uh, I'll do the uh, Legion friendly one first. Um, the one that Gary uh, famously couldn't say at the beginning of the show that I promised I'd uh, say at the end. Um, it is Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. We are um, a monthly show that does uh, Godzilla films and other kaiju movies, and uh, we pair it up with an episode of Ultraman. So um, it is part of uh, Kill the Cast, which is uh, the main show. We're a special like offshoot uh, show from that feed. Um, that's the uh, Legion show I'm on, and then the uh, Horophilia one, which is uh, on a little summer hiatus. But uh, we will be back soon. Um, it is the Horror Mafia podcast. Um, we sh- should be getting together maybe like a week or two from when this is released. But I've been promising this episode for about two months now. So I don't know when that uh, when that it's actually going to come out. So don't hold me to it. But uh, those are my uh, two main shows. Cool. Uh, this show and the two Drink Minimum commentaries can both be found on the Legion podcast feed, um, as well as the Burning for Springwood episodes, which are mixed into the Cinema B feed, because I don't want to say, hey, Bo, how about another another feed? I said, fuck it, I'll just drop them on the Cinema B feed, so you guys can do some searching for those. That's our Freddy's Nightmares retrospective show. Um, I'm behind on the editing, but we did interview Diane Franklin, and she did talk about the Freddy's Nightmares experience, and that will be inserted into the show. But a uh, full interview which is great because she gave us like an hour. She she's awesome. Uh we'll be on the Cinem V feed and on the Legion feed respectively. So look for that too cuz she's a kind of wonderful person and she had a lot to talk about. So if you like Diane Franklin, you like Terrorvision and Amityville and The Last American Version, stuff like that, you can listen to her talk about it on the on that interview and she's pr- it's pretty great. And um what else is coming up? Not too much besides the stuff I just mentioned, but uh, like Bo said, Legion, go go check it out on there. Lots of good stuff on there. Um, and uh, Twitter GW, Twitter at Saint Beef Cast, Fleas and Flicks Charity Auction, second weekend of December, coming at you. Um, yeah, always appreciate the support on that. Always appreciate the support on anything. It's uh, I'll leave it at that though. And this is the end at the Send Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See y'all next time. Later. Miracles appear in the strangest of places. Fancy meeting you here. The last time I saw you was just out of Houston Sit down, let me buy you a beer Your presence is welcome with me and my friend here This is a hangout of mine We come here quite often and listen to music Partaking of yesterday's wine Yesterday's wine 
I'm yesterday's wine Aging with time Like yesterday's wine Yesterday's wine Well, yesterday's wine Aging with time Like yesterday's wine You give the appearance of one widely traveled I'll bet you've seen things in your time So sit down beside me and tell me your story If you think you'll like yesterday's wine Yesterday's wine Well, yesterday's wine Aging with time Like yesterday's wine Yesterday's wine Well, yesterday's wine Aging with time Like yesterday's wine Yesterday's wine Yesterday's wine Well, yesterday's wine We're aging with time Like yesterday's wine 